I choose. I choose. We are in an I choose message series, and this is week three of week of four. Week one, we talked about I choose purpose over popularity, and we have to make some decisions that may not be popular, but it aligns with your purpose. We talked in week two about I choose surrender over control. We all got a little bit of control issues in us. And you were just singing surrender, right? Now. Yo, that's exactly, we, have, we need to surrender to the Lord. And so I choose surrender over control. Next week, we're going to talk about I choose the important over urgent because we have a, a misconception of what we need to be choosing, right? Well, it's urgent, it's urgent, or it's important. And so we'll be talking about that because the reality is everything's urgent these days, right? Everything's urgent these days. And so we need to, uh, we need to uh, uh, make the right choices. And we're, we're talking about choices because, like I mentioned in the last several weeks, and if you notice, I'm mentioning this every week, the choices that we make. We are a result of the choices that we make. We are a result of the choices that we make. The choices that we've made in the past have determined who we are today. Some of us are happy about that, and some of us are not so happy about that. But the choices we make today will mold us for tomorrow. Amen? And so this is why it's so important we understand our choices, what we choose, and and how important our choices are. The choices we make today will determine who will be tomorrow and how effective we become for Christ, how we are for Christ. So... I'm going to start off with a little something. I'm starting to see a pattern in my life. Starting to see a pattern in my life. Um, there was a time that I was walking into a dark room. I was trying to feel my way down the hallway, and I'm walking into the room. I'm trying to be quiet because I don't want to wake my wife up. And in the darkness, my toe meets the corner of the bed. The, the corner of the bed. At that moment, I do a quick like, oh, I kind of like grab myself, and I, I, in the faint distance, I hear chuckling, <laughs> laughing. And it is my beloved wife laughing at my pain. There have been times, and there was another time that I'm walking, and Abigail has toys, and she leaves booby traps throughout the house. And, you know, you think that when you're in your home, you're safe, right? But the booby traps are real. And if you step on one of these toys in the wrong angle on your foot, it could bring anyone down. And so that happened. And again, the pattern is in the distance, I hear (laughs) chuckling, laughing. One day, one time, uh, not too long ago, oh, about a year ago, I was, I was walking down the steps very fast, trying to run down the steps. And if, and if you see, if you're going down the steps, right, you're supposed to, like, hit the step, then go to the next step. But if you ever notice, you ever, like, miss a step, like, miss it, and, like, you end up sliding down like that? Well, that happened to me. And when I get to the bottom of the steps, I hear... You know, after addressing this with my wife, this pattern of behavior, she assures me that she is not laughing at my pain. She is laughing at my reaction to the pain. 
So we all feel pain, right? Have we all gotten hurt? We all feel pain at some time, at some point. Some of us more than others. Physical pain isn't the only pain that we feel. We also feel emotional pain, right? And sometimes that emotional pain is a lot worse than physical. There have been times that I have been emotionally hurt that um, I rather have taken a punch to the gut, to the face, wherever, than have to deal with the pain that my heart feels. A pain that at that moment, like no matter what you try to do, it just, it just, it, 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 it just eats you. It hurts you. And, and sometimes, ever, ever notice, like, it feels like such a real pain. So I, I, I'd prefer the physical pain over emotional pain any day. But the reality is the majority of, of the pain that we experience is beyond our control. Because if it was according to our control, we wouldn't feel pain. If we were in control of it, we'd be like, oh, wait a minute. That's going to hurt. I'm not going to do it. Or, you know, and, and we would avoid the pain. Now, we can avoid some pains, right? But not everything is unavoidable. Not everything. Jesus even says in John 16, 33, John 16, 33, I want to read this verse with you. Um, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, this speaks on so many levels, you know, trials and tribulations, sorrows, trouble. We're going to, he gives us the heads up, life isn't going to be easy. Life is not going to be easy. There's going to be pain. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be all these things, but take heart. Take heart. He's like, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Telling me that, you know, if I'm dealing with all this, this, this Jesus has already overcome all this, Instead of me staying in here and, and, and falling to, to all these trials and tribulations and sorrow and pain and all this, instead of being captivated by all this and stuck in this and bound in all this, I can reach out to Jesus because he over, already overcame this. So if I hold on to this by just my connection to him, I've overcome through Jesus who's overcame. Amen? A lot of times, the stuff that we go through is not our fault. We go through pain. We go through these trials, the sorrow, these tribulations, and it's not your fault. Sometimes it's just some freak accident, car accident, you know, you miss a step accident, right? We get something that happens, you know, that's, it's an accident. It's not your fault. Sometimes someone that you love betrays you, and that pain hits you, you know, Sometimes your company downsizes and they say, listen, sorry, buddy, we got to let you go. We don't have control and sometimes it's not your fault. The reality is that some pain is within your control, meaning that you will have a choice. You will have a choice between 
one type of pain or the other. And this is what we're talking about today when we say, I choose discipline over regret. I choose discipline over regret. Let's look at it this way. You can choose the pain of obeying your parents. All right. There's, there's, there's a couple of you within this range right now, right? I want to go to this party because everybody's going to be at this party. Or I want this toy. Or I want this. Or I want, and then at that moment, the parent says, no, you can't. Oh, my life is horrible. Oh, my goodness. You don't understand. Oh, I'm so hurt. It's just so, so much drama in my life. And what happens is the world at that moment is horrible place. So at this moment, you have the pain of dealing with the reality that your parents are trying to look out for you and trying to keep you in the environments that are healthy for you and not vice versa. Or you could, you, you know, you, you have that pain of dealing with the reality of today that the parents love you so much to, to do that. Or the pain of the consequences later. What kind of lifestyle could develop from this? Where could this take us? And what happens is you find yourself maybe at a point where if only my parents would have stopped me, I would have never ended up, you know, starting with parties, then with this drug, then with this alcohol, and then before you know it, uh, bound in drug addiction. But it could have all been prevented if you would have dealt with the pain of being the nerd that didn't go to the party. I know, I'm being a little, I know I may be a little overboard, but I, I'm making a point. The pain of studying now. Ah, to have to sit and study, to actually have to read and memorize, to actually have to, to, to not be a part of the social gatherings, to not be able to go out and have fun, go out to dinner, go, go to the movies. I can't have a life right now because I need to study. Well, that's a temporary pain that you can choose to go through now instead of having going through the pain when you're an adult and you can't find a job because everywhere you go requires some type of education or experience, and now you're stuck and frustrated. You're struggling to make ends meet. And so now you have the pain of the consequences, the pain of regret. If I would have just disciplined myself to study earlier. The pain of saying no to temptation now. Because it's not always easy to say no, and sometimes it's like, ah, the guys are going to Vegas this week. Woo, who's with me? Oh, no, I can't go. Right? For some reason, for some people, it would hurt them to tell the rest of the guys no. But the consequences could be so much. I mean, we you can go in any direction, consequences with that consequences what you rather deal with the pain of regret or the pain of just saying no to temptation today we're discussing choosing the pain of discipline over the pain of regret and discipline is choosing between what you want now 
and what you want the most. What you want now and what you want the most. Let's take a look at uh, some of the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 7. I'm going to be jumping around um, because, you know, I know some of you guys start to fall asleep if I read more than 10 verses. So um, I'm, going to, I'm only playing, guys. I'm only playing. I'm talking about those who might be watching online, not you guys. No, no, I'm only playing. Romans 7, and we're going to read 15. We're going to jump over to 18 and 19. Then we're going to jump over to 24 and 25. Um, but I want to read this so we can kind of just see where, where is Paul right now? Like, where is his head at, right? And so uh, verse 15 says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. This is Paul talking here. Paul, you know, the same guy that first-handedly experienced the power of God when he was struck blind, right? And then he, he, he went, and then all of a sudden, now he has vision. So he has experienced God's power firsthand. The same guy that wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament. This is the same guy that we hear at this moment saying, oh, what a wretched man I am. He says, I don't understand myself. I want to do the right thing, but instead I end up doing what I hate. How many of us can relate to this? How many of us can relate to this? I want to do the right thing, but I keep choosing the wrong thing. I want to do good, but I don't. I don't want to do bad, but I end up doing that. I really don't want to do this. I know I shouldn't, but I still do it. I'm not going to eat this whole pizza, Lord. I'm not going to eat this whole pizza. And before you know it, the whole pizza's gone. Why, Lord? Oh, what a miserable person I am. What a wretched man. Miserable, wretched, it means deeply afflicted, deeply afflicted, distressed. There are some of us that are like, are, are, we, we take a stand and we say, okay, today I will not. I won't. That's, my, that's Abigail's new thing. I won't. I'm going to take those words and I'm going to shove them like, like to the ends of the earth. I can't hear it anymore. I won't. Abigail, can you, I won't. I'm, oh, my goodness. 
<laughs> um, it, it sounds cute to you guys. It's not cute at home. Um, deeply afflicted. I'm choosing today to, I, I will not do this. I will not. And then you do. And it seems like your whole world falls apart. What kind of person am I? What kind, of, what, what kind of Christian am I? What kind of man? What kind of woman? I can't even, I can't even stop this, or I can't take a stand, or I can't make a, a, a decision. I, I mean, whoa, whoa. deeply afflicted. It, 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 it disturbs you. It affects your, your job. It affects your life. It affects your relationships. Everyone around you is affected by it. Because you want to, but you don't. He sounds like even though he wants to do the right thing, he can't. He yells out, who can help me? Who can help me? Oh, I know who can. He answers himself, right? How many of you have friends like that? Ask questions and then they answer their own questions. <laughs> You're like that? <laughs> Betsy's like, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. Who can help me? Oh, Jesus can help me. Jesus can help me. I may not be able to do this on my own. In fact, the reality is I don't have to do this on my own because the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ. Many times we find ourselves wanting to do the right thing but making the wrong choices. And then so, as you mentioned, we start to feel ashamed, ashamed. We feel embarrassed because, you know, we think we should know better. Or, or, or we thought we had more control over our lives, right? Especially, you know, we talked about surrender and control. You want to be in control, but then you really can't control yourself. Like you want to be in control, but you can't control yourself. You feel down. The good news is that it's not about you being better. The good news is not about you getting it right. Like, like it's not about you being better. It's not about you being stronger. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, because he is our strength and he is better. And so what happens is if we hold on to Christ, then guess what? You don't have to worry about being better on your own. You become better through your relationship with Christ. You don't have to worry about being stronger. You become stronger through your relationship with Christ. He, he is strong in our weakness. In our own, we are prone to making some of the horrible decisions and choices that some of us have already made. With the help of Christ, he can enable us to, not, to choose not what we want now, but what we want most. With the help of Christ, I can choose discipline over regret with the help of Christ. Let's look at Paul's growth as he learned uh, to live a little more disciplined life. And we look uh, at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, it says... He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. 
all athletes. How many of us are athletes in the house? Let me see. If you're an athlete, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> we only got five athletes in the whole church? You know, we've been challenged to like basketball games, and we've been challenged to other, by other churches. I'm, we, we need more athletes. We, we, need more, we need more athletes. All athletes are disciplined in their training. Okay, let me, let me better yet say this. Who once was an athlete at some point in their life? A lot more hands. A lot more hands. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will win, that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. For an eternal prize. Paul is telling us to run this race to win it. To win it. Some of us that were athletes, you understand the difference. Sometimes we just in there to get it over with, get the game done. But if, if you have, like, that heart, like, you, you get on the field every time because you expect to win. You don't get on the field saying, maybe we'll just, you know, if we just lose by two points, it'll be bad. It won't be that bad. No, you go on there to win. We aren't running, we aren't running for second place, and so, therefore, you have to run with focus, intensity, and power. So... I know I don't look much like it anymore, but at one point in my life, I was uh, a, a cross-country runner, right? And so what happens is, um, especially when I was in the Marine Corps in boot camp, you know, uh, 1st Battalion Delta Company, Platoon 1074, I was honored and proud and a little cocky because I was the fastest runner, not only in my platoon, but in the entire company, right? And the company, our company had about six platoons. And so what happens is, and each platoon had about 80 guys, right? And so I was walking on cloud nine because I thought that I was like this hottest thing in Paris Island, right? When it came time to run our three, miles, uh, our three mile qualification, I was running three miles at 17 minutes. For those that like to run, you know, um, it, it's, it's a decent time. It was my fastest time. I never did it again. Um, <laughs> but I remember standing there and waiting for them to say to go. And every time I took, I, I put my feet on the pavement to run, I expected for those three months, for those, I expected I'm going to be the first one every time. I went in there with a mentality of, I'm going to come here, and I'm going to be the first. And I'm going to be the first. And I was focused, and there was intensity behind it. And, you know, you could call cocky and intensity kind of like, put them in the same category right now. But it was intense. You know, I'm going to tell you something that um, happened when I took my focus off. Because, see, what happened is I got too comfortable. I got comfortable coming in first so many times, right? And uh, without me realizing throughout the c- a couple months, I had when one drill instructor was, was eyeing me. You know, if you guys know about boot camp, drill instructors are there to, be mi- to make you miserable, right? They're there to, to, there to make you miserable and to, and to make boys into men, you know, and little girls into women. 
But they were there, and, and, and so he was watching me, and I think he was plotting on how to, like, break me. He was plotting. And he saw how much it meant that I was always first. Little did I know that he was an extremely better runner than me. And so here we go, and we take off, and I begin to just get comfortable. I'm in front of the pack. Remember, like, the, turtle, the, 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 the rabbit and the turtle? And I'm running, and I'm like, you know what? This was not for qualification. I'm just going to relax a little bit. And so I begin to relax, and I just kind of like blinked. And when I take a look back, I see this drone instructor running like toward me at a speed that even if I would just try, it, I, he just took off. And then I pushed myself. I couldn't make it. He, you know, we finished the race, and he looked at me. He says, always know there's someone better than you. Always know that someone's better than you. You are not the best here. And I was like, oh, yes, sir. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with you right now. But the thing is this. Athletes are disciplined. I didn't just wake up being able to run 17 minutes, in three, three miles in 17 minutes. It took running day after day after day. You know, sometimes disciplining yourself not to eat what you want to eat now because you have a race to run later. Not drinking what you want to drink now because you have a race to run later. You know, the, 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 you already knew who was out drinking things that they weren't supposed to be drinking on the days we were running because they were all on the side of the road throwing up. Because they chose to do what they wanted now as opposed to what they needed the most. You have to discipline your, your body. You, have to, you were disciplined in training. If you want to win, what do you have to do? In disciplining, you have to choose what you want most. You have to choose what you want most over what you want now. And so the body wants to stop now. I remember running some of those races and if you, it, after a while, you learn how to breathe, but many times the breathing is what will, will bring you down. Many people take short breaths when you're running a race, <laughs> right? And I'm going to tell you right now, what the short breaths are doing is not allowing enough oxygen to get into your lungs. And if not enough oxygen gets into your lungs, your body begins to cramp, and you will have some painful cramps. And so the secret of running is to breathe and fill your lungs with oxygen and breathe it all out and breathe it all in and breathe it all out and find a system. I had a choo-choo train system. I would t every, four, every four steps was breathing in, breathing out. So by four steps would fill my lungs and empty my lungs. But before I had the system down packed, there are moments that your body says, that's it, stop, stop, stop. Your body wants to stop now. And it says, I can't take it anymore. But what you want the most is to be first. So you have a choice to make. You can push your body and not listen to it and say, we're not going to stop now. We're going to stop when I tell you you're going to stop. And that's after we meet the finish line. In the same manner is our spiritual walk. See, what's happening is, in our walk, there's moments 
that the enemy will throw these temptations, they will throw these distractions, and, and they may look nice, they may look good, they may seem inviting, but it doesn't align with what you want most. Because I know that what you want most is an eternity in heaven with God the Father. So, so the body wants to stop now, but what you want most, it takes discipline. I like the fact that the word discipline has the same root word that creates disciple. I mean, again, you know, there's no coincidences in the way things are. Because if we are disciples of Christ, then we should be disciplined. You know, are we, are we disciplined disciples of Christ? These athletes are disciplined in their training for a prize that fades away. You have a choice to be disciplined for an eternal prize, an eternal prize that no one could take away from you. Athletes will train their bodies for months, for years. Before a race, you guys watch boxing or MMA, like those guys don't just walk into a ring. They train specifically for that event. If they're going to go up against a, a fighter that specializes in grappling, and what they're going to do is they're going to train grappling techniques. If they're going to go up against a guy that specializes in, in kicks or, or, or punches, then they're going to train against that. They're going to train and prepare their bodies for the event to better their chances of winning. How are we as Christians training our bodies to be more disciplined? How are we doing it? How are you training your body to be more disciplined in your walk with God? Remember, we aren't doing this for this earthly prize. We're doing this for an eternal prize. So what are you doing? Okay, let me ask you a deeper question. What do you want the most? Ask, talk, like, think about it. What do you want the most? Everybody, when you have, when you have your own most in your mind, go like this. What do you want the most? What do you want the most? All right. All right. Some people, they say, I want to take this walk with God seriously. I really do. Like, that's the most thing. I mean, when my relationship with God matters the most and, and, and I, I really want to do things right, I want, I want to live right, I want to get closer to God. Okay. Some people may say, what I want the most is to lose weight. I want that the most. I want to lose weight. Some people say, I want the most to improve my marriage. I want the most to improve my marriage. Some people say, the most, what I want the most is I want to be free of addiction. I want to be free from this addiction. And some people may say, what I want the most is I don't want to have any debt anymore. Right? Right? So the choice is, so the second question is, well, what do you need to choose now to achieve 
what you want the most. Right? For those that want to get closer to God, then perhaps you need to choose now to get committed in reading his word. You need to choose now to be committed to a prayer life. You need to choose now to be committed to a church family. Because, you know, the big thing now, especially in this virtual world, is did you know that people don't need churches anymore? They could just turn on the TV. Did you know that? They don't need a church anymore. They don't need a church family anymore. You want to get closer to God. And it's not, a, it's not that the church gets you closer to God. It's that the relationships and the family and the teachings and the support and the encouragement and the motivation, it helps you in your walk with the Lord. You want to get closer to God? Get committed and serve. Get committed and connect. Be a part of things. You want to get you, 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 what you want the most is to lose weight? Make a decision to join a gym. You know, uh, get a trainer, change your eating habits, stay consistent. Because I know what you want to do now is have a Big Mac. What you want to do now is a whole pizza to yourself. You know, listen, I know. I, I just, hey, I'm not going to pretend that I'm someone I'm not. I have not gone to the gym. And I do eat what I want now. And it's affecting me. It's affecting me. I need to make decisions. If I want to be healthier, if I, want that to be, if, I, if I have a goal of being healthier, then I need to change what I eat now. If I, want to be, uh, if I want to improve my marriage, if I want to improve my marriage, what do I do? Because the things that are easy to do now is point out what might be wrong. It's easy to point out where one falls short. It's easy to point out, especially when we're upset or angry. But if you want to improve your marriage, then choose now to say, let's just go on a date. Choose now to say, we need, we need, we need to go to counseling. Choose now to say, you know what? You know what? Let, let's, let's hang out with, let, let's, let's be a part of a marriage group. Let's read a book. Let's pray together. You know? There are so many things that I can do, even myself now, to help improve our marriage. Because no marriage is ever perfect. No marriage is ever perfect. I want to be free from addiction. This bondage, I want this the most. Then the first thing is, what do we choose now? Well, we choose now to admit that there's a problem. We choose now to say, I need help. We choose now to say, I need to go to a counseling or to a support group. I need to give my life over to the Lord. I need to give this to him now. Because what happens is, well, what happens is we want to be free from addictions, but where our body says, I want another hit. Well, my body says, I want another drink. Well, what my body says is, well, I, I want to do this again. And so what happens is your body will always tell you, this is what I want. Your flesh wants that. What do you want? 
And what decisions do you have to make now to get to there? Many times it's standing full and saying, no, I'm not going to do it. And this is why it's important to be part of a family because sometimes you think we could do this on our own. We think we could do this on our own. We don't need nobody. I don't need nobody knowing my business. And because we don't want nobody to know our business, we find ourselves battling this addiction on our own and falling short every time. Guess what? You don't trust nobody in your own church, which is sad in the first place, and find someone in another church that won't know your business and get them to hold you accountable. I mean, it's sad. It's sad when people feel that way. But don't let, it, don't let that be the excuse why you don't find nobody to, 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 to hold you accountable. This is kingdom business. The kingdom expands beyond lighthouse. Okay? So there's, there's plenty of brothers and sisters throughout the, throughout the city, throughout the rest of this. You know I mean, they don't, again, this, this season has brought us that you, don't, you could be on the other side of the world and you could still have somebody to talk to. Let's put the pride to the side and say, I have an issue and I need help. We want to be debt-free? Well... Your body said, what your, what, your, what, your, what, your, what your mind is telling you is like, I need this now. This car is what I need right now. So what if the car payment is more than my mortgage? I need this now. Listen, guys, please, please, please. I, will, I can never agree I can never agree with you if you're going to have a car payment that is the same amount as a mortgage. I mean, I can't agree with you. I can't, I can't agree with you with that. I can't agree with you with that. We have to be wise. You want to be debt-free? Well, you got to stop spending, save, get financial training. Listen, we, we, we're, gonna, we're hoping to offer that really soon, and we'll be letting you guys know that. Uh, my son, Kevin, works at a, um, at a, at a bank. He's the bank manager. And what this, uh, at Everance, actually, Everance Financial Credit Union, it's a, it's a faith-based Christian credit union. And what they, what they really desire is that the people of God, the body of Christ, is educated on their finances to make better financial decisions, right? And so uh, they provide financial uh, training for free. And we're going to have them do that for us. And, and so we're going to do that. And if you guys want to participate in that, when it pops up, sign up. All right? All right. It takes hard work to choose the pain now. It takes hard work to choose the pain now. Those that like to live, or, oh, Jamal's not even in here today. Jamal's not here, no. Those that like to go to the gym, I know that there are times that when you're lifting the weight, it burns. It, it hurts. It hurts. But you will take the pain now over the pain of not being able to pick something up later. <laughs> I should have lifted those weights. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll continue with verses 26 and 27. Verses 26 and 27 and verse, uh, chapter 9 say, so I run with purpose. Say purpose. In every step. I am not just shadow boxing. 
Does this mean Paul knew how to shadow box? <laughs> that, that's a campfire conversation, right? Did Paul shadow box? No. He says, I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. An athlete will train and mold its body to do what it's supposed to do. A fighter is going to train his body to fight and to withstand the punches. A runner is going to train his body to run. A swimmer will train his body to swim. An athlete trains his body to do what it's supposed to do. A believer, a disciple of Christ trains its body to do what a disciple of Christ should do. Because it doesn't come naturally. It's not natural that someone is the fastest runner overnight. It's not, you're not born with all of a sudden being the fastest swimmer. You're not born wanting to do what is right. I mean, we see it in children. My daughter, she has this new word, I won't, this new phrase, I won't. I won't. She shows us that she, like, she's, like, she doesn't, she's, obviously she's doing wrong right there by not listening. But our children show us that we are born. We are born in this simple nature from the get-go not wanting to do what is right. We have to be trained to do what is right. And training takes discipline. Training takes discipline. We aren't naturally disciplined, but when there is purpose. When there is purpose, he says, I run with purpose in every step. When you are walking with purpose, understanding who you are, why you are here, who you serve, the authority that you walk in, when you're walking in purpose, then you're able to be disciplined through that walk, to withstand the pain of discipline now, as opposed to dealing with the pain of regret later. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know that his plans for your life are greater than your plans, you begin to train yourself to do what it should do, what you should do. When there's purpose, it sounds something like this. Jesus, I need you here. 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 I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. And you live your life understanding that in every step that you take, in every venture that you go into, in everything that you buy, in every place where you move, in everything that you're doing in life, I need you. In every relationship, I need you. In your home, I need you. In your job, I need you. In our church, we need him because if not, it's just going to be all pointless to not have him here. We need him. We need him. We need him. You know, that takes discipline. That's training. I need you. I need you. That's training, your, that's training yourself 
to say that you need him at all times. Because if you don't train yourself to understand that you need him at all times, that there will be plenty of moments in your life that you think, I got this. Because there will be plenty of moments in your life that you say, I don't need Jesus right now because I already know what to do. I went to school for this. I, I studied this. I got, I got a PhD in this. I don't need Jesus to help me with this. I got this. I got this. I know. Jesus, you're the one to help me get the PhD. You know I don't need you right now. I already got the PhD. If you do not train your body, yourself, your soul, your spirit to say, I need you for every step that you take in life, there will be moments in your life where you will say, I don't need him by how you act because none of us are going to tell God we don't need him. But our decisions will show that. Our choices will show that. When we choose discipline over regret, it's retraining the brain. It's retraining the brain. It's like uh, when you go on a diet, you retrain your brain. So I've been told. So I've been told because I haven't been successful in this yet. Okay, so, so this is what I've been told. Um, if you like to eat like real, well, first of all, I don't, I'm not super unhealthy with my food. I, I, I don't eat. I try to stay away from all the deep fried stuff, right? Um, and I eat less portions, okay? All right, I'm working on it, working on baby steps. But some people that like just like um, all the junk food and never have healthy food, they, they kind of train their body and their brain to be stimulated by just the intake of the junk food. And then when you eat the healthy food, it's like, ah, right? But if you force yourself and you discipline yourself, so I've been told, to eat all the healthy food, then what happens is your body after the uh, period phases, now your body craves it, and your body welcomes it, and, it's, and it celebrates when you begin to feed it all the healthy food that you've conditioned it to enjoy. We need to recondition our spirit. Some of us need to recondition ourselves in our walk with God. We've been conditioned incorrectly. Some of us have a relationship with God where it's a take, 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 take relationship. You know, genie in a bottle type relationship where we go to him every time we need him, every time we need a bill paid, every time our kids act up, every time, you know, we're in a problem, we're in a trouble, you know, we, we go to him quickly for that. Do we go to him for direction, choices? No, 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 we don't, we, we don't need him for that. Just when I got problems, I can make my own choices. You know, do, do, do you go to him and celebrate and you praise him and worship him when you get a raise? And some people do. Some people forget when things are great to go back to the Father and give him praise. It's, and, and, and it baffles me because what you have was given to you by him in the first place. You got a raise, guess what? Your boss didn't give you that raise. God gave you that raise. God is opening doors. Uh, you feel like, 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 like man is opening doors for you? No, 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 no. No man can open doors for you. God is opening doors for you. You see, it's so easy to, when things go bad, God, why did you allow this? 
Listen to the conversations we have with God. How could you, God? You know I was praying for this. How could you let this happen? How could this be? Things go good. You're like, woohoo! But, but you only blame God when things are bad and things are good. And We need to be reconditioned. Some of us need to recondition ourselves to praise him with every step, every breath, to worship him, to remind ourselves that we need him all the time. The good times, the bad times. The happy times, the sad times. I need Christ. I need boundaries. I need accountability. See, this, this is reconditioning. Because nobody wants boundaries. People don't want accountability. You know, this is one of the biggest problems in the... In, <laughs> you know, my dad and I were talking last night about how we feel limited sometimes to speak because the world is watching. But I have to say this. There's a dilemma. There's a, there's a crisis in the body of Christ. And the crisis is that nobody wants to be held accountable. Everybody wants to be a solo Christian. They don't want accountability. Because if you hold them accountable, that's exactly, why are you judging me? Why are you judging me? You're not supposed to judge me. Did you read your Bible? Did you read it? Because <laughs> uh, that's in here too. <laughs> it takes reconditioning because honestly, naturally, we don't want to be held accountable. Naturally, we don't want to be told that we're doing something correctly. Naturally, it hurts our ego. It hurts our pride. Naturally, we feel sometimes that, you know, by somebody telling us or holding us accountable that perhaps we failed ourselves in some way and we, we feel like, you know, we don't want to feel that way. So we react in a way that's, that's defensive. We put ourselves on the defense, right? I need boundaries. I need accountability. I need to obey you, Lord. I need to surrender. I need to submit. These are all the words we don't like hearing. Accountability, surrender, submit, obedience. Just talk about blessings, pastor. Just talk about blessings. Blessings come after all that. All right, blessings. Who wants blessings? We all want blessings. We need to submit. We need to obey. We need to surrender. <sighs> oh, wretched man that I am. Jesus. <sighs> Can we be honest with ourselves today? Can we be honest? How many of us are falling short in the areas that we keep telling ourselves we're not going to fall short? 
How many of us are keep saying, I, I, I got this, I got this, but then you don't got it? Oh, wretched man. I need his strength because I'm not strong. I need his wisdom because as much as I think I'm wise, I'm not. I need his power because he has the power to break all chains, all things. Remember what the first question was. It was, what do you want the most? But the reality is if you do nothing now, if you do nothing about that now, then there will be regret later. It's guaranteed. If you don't do anything about what you want the most, if you want this the most, but you're not willing to do what it takes now to get yourself there, and instead we forfeit that to do what our body wants to do now, then there will be regret. You guys stand with me this morning. Jesus. Lord, help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Today, today, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You can choose today to say, I am going to choose discipline over regret. I'm going to choose today to not have regret tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Vanessa, Chanel, can you guys come up here? Hallelujah. Uh, Dennis, can you join me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Lord. We want to pray with you this morning. We want to pray with you this morning. We want you to choose today to not leave here regretting that you didn't surrender some things to Christ today. You've, you've all been there. You walk away or you were, God was tugging at your heart. He was tugging at your heart. He was moving you and you didn't do anything because you're like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to walk to the front. I don't want somebody to pray for me. I don't want people to know that I want to surrender stuff to him. And so you leave, and then the drive home, you're like, man, I really should have done that. I really, God was really tugging at my heart, and I regret not taking the step of faith forward. Don't be that person today. Be the person to say, I will not have regret. Because what happens is some of us are full of regret, right? And, and, and we say, if only I would have forgiven that person. How many have, you know, remember? 
If I've only forgiven that person. If I've only forgiven that person, and some people have had the misfortune of never having the opportunity to say I'm sorry to someone before they passed away. And that's painful. That's painful. And you live with regret saying if I only would have forgiven that person, if I only would have told that person while they were still here, I don't even know why I'm saying that right now, but I feel like that's a, that's a thing right now, right here for somebody. Somebody is struggling with that and carrying with that, and, and it's, been, it's been weighing them down because they've just been living with this regret of like, I didn't get a chance, I didn't get a chance, I didn't get a chance. You know what? Perhaps you didn't get a chance, but I know that today you can surrender that over to the Lord. He'll take it off of you. He could take that burden off of your shoulders, and you don't need to live with that anymore. If only I would have taken better care of myself, I would have been healthier. If only I would have listened to my wife to my husband. If only I would have shown her, shown him how much I truly love him, how much I truly love her. If only I would have truly devoted myself to, my, to Christ. My children would have seen Christ through me. If only I would have truly uh, seeked his voice for my marriage. If, I've only, if I would have only accepted God's love, I would have not looked in all the wrong places. How many people have heard stuff like that? We hear all the stories of regret. We hear all the stories of regret. If I only would have... If I only would have, I wouldn't have been here. I would have been better off. I wouldn't have to dealt with this pain. I choose. I choose. I choose. Let's not end up saying words like these. And let's choose discipline over regret. I want to Go into a prayer, and, and what, I, what I ask is I, I challenge you today. I challenge you today. Everyone that's in here, I challenge those that are watching online as well. Because you know what? Because the altar, when you're watching online on Facebook or on YouTube, your altar at that moment is where you're at. But the step of faith, Unfortunately, this is, this is how it is. It's saying in the comments or in the chat saying, I am taking a step today, right now. If you're watching online, you can't come up for prayer. But you can say, I want prayer and I'm making a decision today to choose discipline over regret. So you could take a bold step from home from wherever you're watching. 
and make a public statement saying that you are sick and tired of making the decisions yourself that end in regret. The altar is open, and I challenge you today to take a step of faith. Take a step of faith and say, I'm done. I'd rather have the pain of discipline than live with the pain of regret. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. Look at each and every person that's standing here today. Lord, you have already began stirring their hearts and and, and tugging at them, Father God. And right now we ask that you give them the strength and the boldness to take the steps of faith to come forward. And to say, today I choose discipline. Today I choose to surrender this burden of regret that perhaps I've been carrying from all the wrong choices. I leave it at the altar today. Father God, right now, right now, right now. He's calling you. He's tugging at your heart. He's saying, I need you to make some better decisions. I need you to choose today. Father God. Father God. Lord, we come before you, Lord, and we present to you those that perhaps have not made the best decision, the most important decision of their lives yet. And the most important decision of their life is to say, I choose you, Jesus. I'm a sinner, and I'm going to hell unless I surrender to you right now and accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And if you you have not made that decision, then the altar is open because today is the day that the Lord has made, the day that you can receive salvation. The day that you no longer have to walk alone. If you want to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, come up, please let them know. Father God, Father, we love you. We need you. Each and every person that is here today, Father, we ask that you just instill in them, Lord, a desire and a passion, Lord, to discipline themselves. To take the steps that are necessary, Father God. To take, to to put their own desires, their own wants, their own emotions and put them to the side and say, Lord, I want to live for you and do what I have to do now so that I can have what I want the most, which is to spend eternity with you. Help us choose, Lord. Give us discernment and wisdom, Father, to make the choices that that please you, Lord. To make choices that please you, Lord. Let us please you, Lord, with our choices, with our lifestyles. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.